Hello, everybody, and welcome to Libromancy, a podcast about the magic of books. I'm Josh, and today I'm going to be talking about The Dragon Republic by R.F. Kuang. So, let's betray the magic of books. Now, yeah, trying to talk about this non-spoilery, this was a tough, tough book for me to get into. I, I did enjoy the first book. I enjoyed reading this book for the most part, but there were just... It was really tough for me to want to get started just because of the level of brutality from the first book. Now, this book doesn't quite have that same brutality. I mean, it's referenced quite frequently, and there are a lot of things in this book. Um, but nothing quite as bad as the first book. That one really was a much more shocking kind of a thing. Well, I guess I'll try it in a, still in a non-spoiler way to kind of just go over my, my, my attributes for the pile that I do for my reviewing. So uh, let's start with the writing. I did think that Arf Kwong's writing was very good. You know, sure, prose is excellent. She uses the words that she wants to use. It makes sense. It flows well. I never got hung up on, well, why did she say this this way? Why did she say that this way? Nothing, nothing overly flowery or like I have to really think about what I'm trying to read. And I really like that in the book. So again, I do really, and I think that really the atmosphere of this book is intense like you do feel like you are in her world the grittiness the dirtiness the sadness the waiting for things like you really do get a sense of like what it was like to feel like you're there and you feel what the characters are feeling and so that's a really good strength of hers i think um you know the plot i i felt like it was a pretty average plot the plot is to go do something and then do something else um, nothing too crazy or way out there, so nothing bad. And I really did like all of the character work that R.F. Kuang did with Rin. Her changes, her desires, the things that she stays the same about, I thought it was very well done. And I think I'm actually just going to have to start talking about spoilers now, because I really don't have much else I can say without getting into it. I liked it better. Probably still not worth a reread. Less brutal, less violent. Different book. Took me a little bit to get into it. Parts I really loved. Parts I was like, I am so tired of listening to this. Go on and on. Let's just skip over it. So let's just start with some characters. I really do like the way that Kwong does her relationships. I feel like a lot of them feel very realistic and very real but that's just some, it's the same as realistic they were they were good though the relationship between Rin and Nezha feels super like original like not original it feels super normal that these people have grudging respect for each other and then they fight together and they one thinks the other one has died and they're moving forward and I just like that I like their relationship all the way up to the very end when he betrays her and she's like, you know, he probably thought he was trying to, he was warning me beforehand. Now, I don't necessarily think he was warning her, but like, that's what she's saying. She's like, I think he was trying to warn me. And then the way they fight felt very realistic. Her, Rin's relationship. I mean, this book is about Rin and about her relationships, basically. So her relationship with the pirate queen, her relationship with Vizra. In the way she just wants to be told what to do, her relationship with the Phoenix and with the Empress, which is just a crazy thing. Like, I just don't understand 
like I get that she wants to kill the Empress because she feels like the Empress has betrayed her people and her country. But like Ren has in my mind like absolutely zero foresight and like able to see the big picture. Which uh, this I guess this is one of my biggest like gripes with the series so far is that Rin, I guess in the uh, to me, Rin seems like a smart person, and yet she makes dumb decision after dumb decision, is manipulated by everybody, is tricked by everybody, can't see the big picture for a tree in the middle of her face. And I feel like in the first book, you know, even though she has to study and memorize everything, I feel like we're still kind of told, like, hey, she is smart. She becomes in the near the top of her class. Obviously, Kite is still smarter. But, like, she's up there. She knows things. She understands the long game. But every action she ever takes goes against her character. She just does whatever she does with because of her rage. And this was even before she was a... She's always been Spearly. But before she was, like, a phoenix-bound Spearly, which increases her anger and her rage. Like, she just always is manipulated by people and doesn't see it. Oh, I promise you this. It's like, you know better like you've been through a war part of a war already you know that people aren't going to trust you or like that aren't going to like tell you everything and yet you just accept everything they say as fact and that it's all good like the idea of the republic that Vicer puts out he's like i want you to help me break the republic make the republic and we'll give people the right to vote and we'll do this and we'll do that and she never once thinks well what happens after we've accomplished everything he'll just let me live you know, especially as she's meeting with the Hesperians and they're like, oh, we want to study you and you're an agent of chaos and we can't abide chaos. Or when she's working for the Pirate key Queen and she's like, I will work for the Pirate Queen and the Pirate Queen will give me money and all these ships and weapons and then we'll go kill the Empress. But like, when you think about it for five seconds, why would the, why would the Pirate Queen give you things to defeat the Empress, making the Pirate Queen less important and less powerful? She wouldn't like, but these are things that she should have thought of. And so I just, I didn't like that part. She just, Rin is always reacting to things and being betrayed, which like I said in the very beginning, you know, betray the magic of books. I felt like the betrayals were all over the place in this book. Every person she's around is going to betray her. The pirate queen betrays her. Uh, Vraisa betrays her. Nezha betrays her. There's a betrayal among the Ketriadids, the ones who speak in the mind and have all the shamanic, shamanic knowledge. There's a betrayal there. The Hesperians betray them. Like, every other sentence or chapter felt like somebody is betraying somebody. Rin betrays Vraisa by trying to let the pirate queen know that she's going to be targeted and to try and escape which that in that case you know Rin's I guess we're in her point of view and she's just trying to escape she's not trying to betray the world you know like trying to survive makes more sense uh Solon the rabbit general I think he betrays or the snake the snake general he betrays Varisa and the Republic like I just I get that there's betrayals that happen in war but I don't need every single person to betray every other single person in the entire story over and over and over again. So that's that's it. Back to Ren and her relationships with people. I liked them. I thought it was really well done for the most part. The different ways her relationships work with people and the way they're broken and reforged. I liked it a lot. Now, let's talk about some of the things I really liked about this book. 
I really liked, you know, seeing that Nezha is like a shaman or a half shaman with a dragon, which was just cool to see that he's got this power, but he's too scared to use it and it always hurts him. And I was like, Fitrin, you don't know like how much pain he's in. Like it could be a completely different pain than you, but you of course are too short sighted to see it. So they fight of obviously, but, but just learning that was cool and seeing him use it and getting that story. That was pretty cool. I loved seeing the Ketriads and the Nameds. And I wish we could have learned more and been like, let's learn more about the Shamanic Hearts. I love the anchoring. Although I was like, you uh, you guys did the anchoring, you twins did the anchoring at 10 days old? Like, have you ever met a 10-day-old baby? They can't do anything. They can't inflict a mortal wound on a deer, like, unless somebody's holding it with them. And then why wouldn't they be included in it? Since, you know, it's their action that does it. Yeah. Let alone the whole spirit part where they have to like join the spirits. And that was like, it's like, they're this, that's just two, 10 years, 10 days old is too young. 10 years old? Sure. Five years old? Sure. 10 days? That part was a little bit uh, out there for me. And then I was, uh, I don't know if it was just because of the length of the time the twins were bound together or anchored together. Versus the length of time that Rin and Kite were bonded together or anchored together. But the twins had a much deeper bond. It felt like they read each other's mind. They were the same. They had this constant kind of communication together somehow, it felt like. Versus Kite and Rin is just like, well, now you have a secret way to access the fire by going through Kite. But you get, and you share pain, but that's it. No other benefits. You don't really know him any better. You can't read his mind or talk to him, things like that. It was just, I felt like this is a little less than I was expecting it was. It kind of just felt like a, a secret way to get around the seal, which, okay, Rin, you talk about being smart. Again, remember, you are smart. When Chengen tells you, hey, you've been sealed, this is going to eat your memories, and you're going to get worse, and then you'll forget everything. You know, and you don't freak out about that. You're just like, okay, well, I'll try and fight it a couple times. And then if I can't, I'll just leave it alone. So when you're told later on that the seal will make you crazy, you start freaking out. Like, why didn't you tell me? They did tell you. They said, hey, it will eat your memories. What do you think that means? You'll just be a happy person the whole rest of your life. Your memories will be gone. Like, you were cool with it earlier. Why aren't you cool with it now? But I, I just, I mean... That part was just like, come on, Rin, like, you knew this. But I love that we see, like, oh, that's why Jiang was so weird and so, like, scared. is because he was sealed, and then his seal was either breaking or he was starting to remember. And that's why he was able to start doing more and summon, but then he gave up and went to Choholkuruk Korik. Like, oh, that was, that was cool. I loved learning about that. I loved seeing that. So, you know, I was super glad about that. I was super glad that she finally was able to ditch the trident and forget Al Altan because he wasn't that good of a person to her. Like in her mind, yes, she had this cool relationship and he so amazing and so cool, but like he never actually did anything super nice for her. Like he didn't teach her how to avoid the drugs or like to keep working or like try and help her through these things. He's just like, yep, I'm going to go smoke on my own because I have to listen to the Phoenix all the time. And it's not like, don't get in this deal with the phoenix. It's scary. And then sacrificing himself at the end, which I don't know if you can really call it a big sacrifice. He just, you know, he didn't do much versus what Rin did. And then 
you know, her blaming herself for it. It's like, no, he made that decision, Ran. Like, you are not responsible for Alton killing himself. But, like, just say bad things about him all the time. Like, he's dead. He doesn't care. He's not going to come back and get you. You know that. Like, I'm so glad that she ditched the trident, though, and finally went with swords because she's like, oh, look, I actually can't use this trident because I wasn't trained on a trident. I was trained with swords. And that's what I'm better with. So I loved that. I loved, you know, just the thinking and being like, oh, the trifecta. They were anchored to each other, maybe. And that's why their their bond is so weird. Because the Sorkin, Sierra is like, you can't triple bond. That's bad. You could only double bond. And triple bond, if one person reacts, it forces the other two to react. And then that forces more changes. And so maybe that's what happened. And, you know, it's just like, what is going on with... Daji, the Vipress, the Sudaji, the Empress. Is she a good guy? Is she actually a bad guy? She gives lots of good reasons. Seems like she's scared of something else, which could be the Hesperians, because let's face it, they're crazy. I just, I loved seeing the Hesperians because it really kind of takes like the, the religion, the Christian religion, you know, of a single God, and you have to be pure and the missionaries and like brings it in from this outside perspective and shows like, so some of the horrible things that people have done in that in the name of that, which is whatever. But like it was a, it was a good portrayal of it. I like that. I saw that, and I'm like, oh man, here they come in. They they're taking over. You know, the Hesperians, true masterminds. You know, but like Sudashi's like, hey, Rin, come hang out with me. You know, because Rin just didn't kill her because she thought it was too easy. That was I was like that took me out a little bit. I was like, yeah, you just caught the Empress. You tricked her. You kind of got her. You just killed Phelan, the wind god, well, killed, buried under thousands of pounds of rock, which shouldn't matter for a wind god. I mean, unless his body's broken, I guess. But I was like, you got the empress, like, and he starts killing her. And it's just like, no, this is too easy. I'm going to puncture one of her eyes out, and then I'll kill her. And it's like, just kill her if you want to kill her. But the empress, and I was, I was just, I want to see this. Like, I want to know more about that. And oh, another question I had is, is the dragon that Nezha's bonded to is that the dragon emperor i keep feeling like you know we've saw jiang we've seen the vipress or the the empress and we never know what happened to the dragon emperor he died but if he dies then they die if they're bonded together so i'm kind of like what's going on with this this is interesting like maybe he lost control and went to the dragon and the dragon's kind of the dragon gods reformed his body into a real dragon or you know for the longest time i thought nesha was going to be the dragon emperor that the dragon emperor just kept being like reborn into his family or in like times of need, he would be reborn into the dragon Republic, the dragon, you know, family. And that's not happening so far. I mean, he's got the cool tattoo and the nearly unkillableness, but I, I was just so excited for that stuff. Parts I wasn't, I mean, the whole thing with Jinza and flying up and going up North and just going and going and going and being like, I'm not going to listen to my advisors. I have to do everything. I have to be the best. And it's like, just listen. Like, these people are smart for a reason. Listen to them. They are your advisors. Don't just assume you know best just because you want to know best. That is not the way to, like, lead people and get on the good side of the Hesperians is to just throw away everything and ruin your whole fleet on a whim, right? Didn't like that. I loved that Rin got to fly. That was a really cool and exciting scene just to be like oh man she can fly it was a little bit kind of a like here's just something you need 
but I, I still liked it a lot. I thought that part was a lot of fun. And then they're going up to the meet with the pirate queen again and become part of her crew again so they can survive. And now they have to fight against the Republic, which they just helped build because it's not a true Republic. It's going to just be the Hesperians. You know, the Hesperians who have guns and dirigibles and like a super fleet. The Empress is still doing something else. Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of excited to see where the next book goes. I mean, not, it's just, it's a weird feeling. Excited about what's going to happen, but I'm not like super excited about it, if that makes sense. Like, I want to know, but I also don't really care that much. And I just, here's a thought I just had. If you've read The Traitor Bardu Cormorant, the Hesperians remind me a lot of the masquerade and the way they kind of run things. So that's just a thought I had that I like that the way that works, though. So, you know, I think that's going to be everything I have to really talk about. The Dragon Empire, or the, yes, the Dragon Republic by R.F. Kuang. You know, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, thanks to David Hillowitz for the intro and outro music. Of course, if you have any questions or comments or you think you know a book I'll like that I should read, you can send that to libromancypod at gmail.com. Um, please remember to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. That's always super helpful. And remember to betray the magic of books. <laughs> <laughs>